Welcome to the Daughters Project Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Join us this season as the sisters gather around the mics to share their experiences of God's love through the lens of His sacred word. You can find out more about our work at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of the Daughters Project podcast. I am Sister Oriane Pietra Renee, and I am here with Sister Julie Marie Benedicta and Sister Maria Grace. Thanks for joining us today, Sister Grace. Thank you. <laughs> it's great to have you. So today we're going to be breaking open a scripture quote from Sister Julie Benedicta, and Sister Grace is kindly here to kind of help us expand our conversation. Um, but first, we're going to touch base with each other to see our little content in the convent moment to kind of ask each other what we've been watching or reading um, and how it's kind of impacted us this week. Okay, so this week, a few of us, myself and Sister Oriane included, yeah. sat down and finally got around to watching Encanto. Which I loved. <laughs> and Sister Grace still needs to see. I haven't seen it, but I don't care about spoilers. So, <laughs> Sister Grace is one of these people who actually will go watch like discussions about a movie before she goes to watch the movie. So that's uh, we're not worried about spoiling it for her. <laughs> so, um, But, oh my gosh, we so loved it. We just sat and talked about it for like a half hour after we finished watching it. Just all the different themes in it and ways that things could be understood and... Man, the animation, first of all, is just gorgeous. The animation is incredible. The music is incredibly well written. Mm -hmm. um, like A lot of the story is actually told through the lyrics, mm -hmm. which is, I think, very intelligent storytelling and not in a way that makes it inaccessible to kids. Nope. Um, and a lot of like layers of symbolism and of meaning. And one of our sisters actually compared the, the main character, Mirabel, to St. Therese. Yeah. Which was really fascinating. It was really cool. Just the idea that um, looking around and seeing everyone else's gifts and everyone else's, you know, kind of strengths and special missions that they, that they get sent on and kind of wondering, like, what is it that's my role? Yeah. And the way that Therese came to that conclusion that, well, my vocation is love. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of encompassing all of it. My vocation is love and that love is at the the, the heart of the church, the, the center of it. Um, I thought that was a really cool insight. Yeah. It's like the simplest vocation and mm -hmm. also the biggest. Mm -hmm. And you see that at play in, in the film, which is a really beautiful way, even of introducing children to how St. Therese like came to that herself. Yeah. Like if your child watches Encanto first, it will actually help them understand St. Therese. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody who follows me on social media knows that I have a special love for Moana. Yeah. Um, and I have multiple different talks, depending on the audience, formulated <laughs> to talk about how Moana shows uh, what the life of a Christian disciple is meant to be. Mm -hmm. And I would say that Encanto comes pretty close to making it on the same shelf with Moana. Oh, wow. That's saying something. It is. <laughs> so I might have to find an excuse to sit down and write a talk. You sh I'll watch it again with you to perfect that talk. You know, I actually really want to watch it in Spanish with one of our sisters from Colombia. Oh, I totally, she would love that. I yeah, totally I kind of want to just put it on Spanish and see what happens. That would be fun. Yeah. Anyway. So, Encanto, gorgeous, highly recommend. Yes, we recommend you watch it, and it's a beautiful thing to pray with. 
Um, okay, now I do want to watch you it. You should. <laughs> yeah. When we sit down to watch it, you should join us. Although not it, in Spanish. Yeah, I, I okay, not this time around. I wouldn't get it enough of it. I'll mm. watch it more than once more, for sure. I will do. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sister Benedicta. Yes. Today we are looking at your either favorite quote or one of your favorite quotes. We are from scripture. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what you chose? Yes. So, one of my absolute favorite verses is from Hebrews chapter twelve, verse two which starts in the middle of a sentence. So I'm going to begin a little bit in verse one when I read it. Um, But it goes like this. It says, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's beautiful. It's just so good. I feel like there's five punches in that, not just one. There are. There are, yeah. <laughs> in fact, there's one There's one portion of it that um, is the piece that I kind of always feel most attracted to. But as I was praying with it again to prepare for this episode, I was like, wow, this thing is just so rich. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So what about this, like, primarily moves you? So um, I've been thinking about how to start the story. Uh, again, anybody who follows me on social media, or especially if anybody has read the book Millennial Nuns, mm-hmm. where a, n- a number of our sisters have kind of um, written little essays to share our stories, our personal stories, uh, our vocation story, a little bit of our background. Um, I write a bit in there, and I also share on social media a little bit about some of the ways that I struggle with depression mm-hmm. and some of the ways that, um, yeah, that that just kind of affects my spiritual life, affects uh, my relationship with God, my relationship with others. And I was at a moment, I was in novitiate. So I was a novice. I think I was a second year novice. And I was in a moment where I was really struggling with that and just kind of having a hard time. And I remember not because this is something that I would tend to remember, but because of the specific incident, that it was Wednesday of the 16th week of ordinary time. That is very specific. It is very specific. And the reason I remember that is because um, on that day, I was really trying to avoid praying. And a Mm. lot of times what I will do when I am avoiding praying is I will find all the things to read. And so that day, in order to avoid praying, I had picked up the Office of Readings. And um, when I picked up the Office of Readings, I realized that the or I saw that the passage for that day, the second reading for that day, was taken from the Imitation of Christ. And what that passage says is, um, let's see, it says, "Turn to the Lord with your whole heart and leave behind this wretched world. Then your soul shall find rest." And then it goes on to talk about the kingdom of God is peace and joy and blah, blah, blah. And then it says, Christ will come to you and console you. His glory and beauty are within you and he delights in dwelling there. Mm. And I just kind of like actually got mad (laughs) at that passage um, that his glory and his beauty are within me and he delights in dwelling there. I was just kind of like, that's not even true. How could that possibly be true? So I just kind of got mad and shut the shut the book. And uh, sat there for a second and then realized, 
if I sit here for too long, I'm going to end up praying and that's going to be hard. And I'm not sure I really want to do that. So I picked up my Bible and um, dangerous move. It was a dangerous move. It was a it was a little bit of a ninja move on on Jesus part. But um, I picked up my Bible and I picked up where I had left off, which was with Hebrews 12. And I came across this passage where um, where it says, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And I stopped and I kind of heard Jesus inviting me to to think about. And as I shared in previous episodes, he often will ask me a question and maybe a slightly snarky question. And he said to me in my heart, he said, and what do you think that joy is? What is the joy that was worth enduring the cross for? Huh, Julie? Huh? <laughs> what do you think it was? And... um and it just became very clear to me that he was trying to tell me that this thing that I had just read in The Imitation of Christ was true, and it applied not only to me, but to all of the sisters around me, um, regardless of how well I was getting along with them or whatever. <laughs> um, and and it just became like a really profound meditation on, on God's love, mm-hmm. on the experience of God's love, on the truth of God's love, on the depth of God's love. Um, and every time... I would go to consider like the passion or to enter into like the Lenten season or something. It's always colored by this passage for me that it was because of the joy that was laid before him and that the joy is each and every one of us that he that he did that for, you know. So, yeah, so that's why it became really meaningful to me. Yeah, it's interesting to think of like. That joy can seem so trivial, I think, sometimes in a sense of like, if I look at myself and wonder, what degree of joy could anyone possibly take <laughs> in me? And was it worth that? Yeah. You know, but but Christ assures us that it is um, because that's how that's how pure his love is for us and his delight is in us. I just realized that's your handle. Yeah, that's my handle on social you just media for joy's that. sake. Well, yeah. <laughs> from that's so cool yeah well i didn't know that's where it came from either until this i read this passion i'm like oh that's where it comes yeah yeah Yeah. so but i'm super interested to hear what you guys prayed with with this well i think definitely the first thing that i thought of is what is that joy the same question like Mm -hmm. what is it Mm -hmm. and it's it's us it's saving us like that's the that was the result of the the passion and also um because we just had the baptism of the lord i i thought about how um because god the father says um in whom i am well pleased this is my beloved son in whom i'm well pleased so it was the joy of pleasing his father mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he came to do the will of the one who sent him so the joy of accomplishing that it's not it's like it's all of these things i yeah, think yeah. but i just kept thinking of different different things that could what that could this joy could refer to and it, I think it refers to all of them um, and also the part about um, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus yes. that's another really like really really good line yes. <laughs> to keep going back to yeah. yeah some of the translations just say something like looking at Jesus and I'm like <laughs> boo <laughs> yeah the ones that say things really that are like keeping your eyes fixed or keeping your gaze fixed like I feel like that's that's the gut punch that pulls you into mm-hmm. it yeah. and I it it seemed to jump out at me because the first part of the of chapter 12 is 
um, about the cloud of witnesses. Right. We're surrounded by the cloud of witnesses. But we're not, that's not what we look at. Mm-hmm. We're not watching the people who are witnessing us. We're what we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're the witnesses, all the, he, he's been talking about all the different, you know, everyone through salvation history. So they're all witnessing it, but that, that's not what we're, that's not what we're focused on. Right. We have to keep looking at Jesus. Yeah, I, yeah. I love that. Which yeah. is really a beautiful, even nuance to how we understand even asking for the intercession of saints mm-hmm. is they were people who were fixed on Jesus and we're asking them to help us be fixed on Jesus mm-hmm. is a really beautiful nuance. Yeah. Yeah. I So we were talking right before this began about how, as with any Bible passage, there are many different types of translation of the Bible um, or many versions, I should say. So the version that I had pulled up was slightly different than both Sister Benedicta and Sister Grace. So Mine does have that idea of like fixing our eyes on Jesus, which I really like because I remember in driver's ed, that's one of the first things that they teach you when you're learning to drive a car is that your car will go wherever your eyes are. Mm -hmm. So even when you're checking your blind spot, you do it quick because otherwise, the longer you look back there, the more your car (laughs) will end up in that place. So that is, I think, so telling of what effect where we're looking has on us, even Mm -hmm. unconsciously. If I'm staring into my blind spot, I have no desire to go there, but I nevertheless end up pulling myself back there. Yeah, or like there's a sister who really loves bird watching. Yeah. And so if she's driving and also trying to be bird watching. (laughs) It's not going to end It's um, (laughs) scary. I I offer to take over, yeah. (laughs) You watch the birds. Yep. (laughs) I will drive the car. That's right. This is community. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But there are so many things. Like there's a reason that that um, the writer of Hebrews had to specify that. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the reason that, I mean, looking looking at Jesus is not inaccurate. But as we were all kind of saying, it doesn't quite pack the punch because it doesn't go deep enough. Like we can all look at something and then look away. But that idea of like fixing, like you took your fisher's hook and you hooked on and you're not going anywhere. Um, that's hard. That takes yeah. a lot of effort. Yeah, It's not the same as a glance. Well, I feel like, too, it's like um, as you're speaking, I get the image in my mind of like the difference between looking at a road sign mm-hmm. that tells me that my destination is 15 miles up or the or the difference between really going to an art museum and sitting and gazing at a work of art, you know, a masterpiece. And that one is functional and the other you, you almost have a relationship with. Like when people get really enthralled with a particular painter or a particular piece, like it's really, there's something that really speaks in that. And um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, no, it's really true. And I think even of um, the passage from the Gospels where Peter walks on the water mm-hmm. and he's looking at Jesus and Jesus call, is calling Peter to him. But yeah. as soon as Peter unfixes his eyes mm-hmm. because there's a lot poor Peter we give him a bad rap <laughs> there's a lot going on around him there's enormous waves he's getting soaking wet there's probably fish getting blown around yeah. like all of these things happen during storms it's not necessarily unnatural for him to look somewhere else but as soon as he unfixes his eyes and allows himself to be distracted that's when he yeah. kind of loses it and mm-hmm. he starts to sink so I think that idea of like don't don't because in a sense It's natural for us to look around, but are we unfixing our gaze? Like, are we are we deciding to focus on something else in our life more than 
Jesus and more than this journey that he went on and is inviting us to join. Because this journey that Hebrews is talking about, we're being invited to join him in that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like when it, when, what did you say in the first line, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the blank? The author and perfecter of our faith. Yes. Okay. Mine says the pioneer of yeah, our faith. That gives me a little perfecter. bit of like Oregon Trails vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I understand why they would have said pioneer as in like the first to truly, mm-hmm. like deeply. Sure. But on the other hand, the thing I don't like about the translation pioneer is that it kind of, a pioneer goes somewhere that already exists and mm-hmm. they're kind of like, they're blazing the trail, but the mm-hmm. place is already there. And Christ did more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, God did more than that. And I think your yours has the Greek in it, and your Bible has the Greek in it, right? It, it it's the um, it just has the Greek with the literal words underneath, and it does translate that word literally, author. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 One thing that I do like about pioneer, though, the covered wagon image is really hard to get out of my head. Um, <laughs> the uh, the the author doesn't give you the same sense of active participation in the thing, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Because the author of an adventure story doesn't actually go on the adventure and get their hands dirty, you know, in the same way that a pioneer does. Mm. So it's I can I can understand like the need to. But it says author and perfecter, like it mm. has two words to try to okay. get the whole thing. Oh, okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, that's interesting because like I wouldn't have thought of that, but refining or perfecting like a metal, mm. you're the one getting yeah. burned, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the part before that, I really like to, um, about casting off everything that hinders us so that we can run. Um, one of the translations says that the sin that clings to us, mm-hmm. I, I really like that. It's very, I know it's a really good image of how, how closely it sticks and it's hard to yeah. peel it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that too kind of illuminates it's something I think everybody struggles with in the Christian life is that we have free will. And in a sense, we we choose to sin. That's why we have to go to confession. That's why we're culpable for things. But when things become a habit or when things are thrust upon us that we never chose and end up affecting our life, it's like that. It's like the sin is Stop. is like like grasping onto us and we can't get it off. And I think that is kind of illuminating in how even even if that is happening, like fixing our eyes on the person who can free us from that, even when we can't like dislodge its fingers ourselves, mm-hmm. like we're we're fixing our eyes on the person who can and who brought that in this journey that um, is being spoken of in this verse, like for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He brought that thing clinging to us to the cross. Yeah. One of the things, I mean, this is coming in the middle of a big, long section in Hebrews on endurance and perseverance, mm-hmm. right? Like just kind of it's a it really is an exhortation to stick with it, <laughs> to yeah. stick with the life of discipleship and following the example of Christ, which is, I guess, where the the call to keep your eyes fixed on him, you know, really comes from. Um, but one of the things that I loved about it, too, is the uh, the part where it says despising the shame. Mm. And I was like, that's so weird. Like, what does that even mean, despising the shame? And so I went to a Greek dictionary to, to look it up there. And the words that I found there were um, 
to think against or to think little of. Mm-hmm. And like in English, you would say despise really means something kind of more like hatred or right. something. But I love the idea that he just kind of like didn't care about the shame or like it just wasn't big enough to pay attention to, you know? Yeah. Um, Heedless of is one of the other translations. Oh, that's Heedless cool. of the shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's the same kind of thing. It's not, um, doesn't mean despise in the sense of hate, but like, mm-hmm. like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of like... And yeah. it doesn't it doesn't say despising or heedless of the pain. It says right. the shame. No, the shame. Yeah. The shame because yeah. it was like yeah. awful. Like yeah, yeah. But that part didn't even yeah register. Yeah, yeah. and like it, it reminds me of the beatitudes, right? Um, mm-hmm. When when they speak against us or when we're persecuted, you know, um, for the name of of Christ, that that we share in His blessing, and so just the call to kind of be mindless of whatever is kind of difficult or weird or awkward or countercultural or whatever that might be involved in whatever call that we're feeling or invitation that we're feeling from the Lord to to live the Christian life. Yeah, my translation calls it scorning, like Mm. scorned the shame. Mm -hmm. And actually when I was praying with this verse, that was the part that really stuck out to me um, was this, yeah, this like not caring about like being fully aware of the shame mm-hmm. and not caring because that shame did not matter compared to the the payoff, so to speak, like the joy that was waiting. And I think that's such a beautiful illumination of when we love somebody and we want what is truly, truly best for them. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of us if we're able to help them get to where they need to be. And that's exactly what Christ did. It, it didn't matter to him what he looked like on the cross. And that's something in, um, I think it's in Isaiah when he he, he kind of spells out like he looks so awful that like you can't even look upon him. Like that's how mm-hmm. horrid and ugly and shameful this was. Um And the Gospels do describe it somewhat. A lot is left to your imagination. But, I mean, we know what the Romans were like. It's pretty easy to fill in (laughs) the gaps that the the Gospels kind of tactful about. Um, But, like, to know that all of that, he didn't care that that would reflect poorly on him so long as he could save his beloved. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did. And it's, it's so, I think, encouraging for us, both in how we love one another but also how like we're called to love him because a lot of us will face times in our life where we have to make an unpopular decision or appear like kind of weird <laughs> to people yeah. that we care about their opinion. We yeah. want them to think well of us and we love them. Um, and we know that they're going to look on us in a way that kind of might bring us embarrassment or bring us shame. But to know that like if we are truly following where Christ is leading us, like there's a joy there that's promised both to us and the people who are like, what is wrong with our friend? Where are they doing? Like that joy is also promised to them and we can't help them get that joy if we're not showing them the way. Yeah. So that, that risk is worth it if we're doing it for the sake of this type of joy. Mm -hmm. It's also hard for me to think of the word shame without thinking about Genesis, right? That Mm. they were naked without shame, that, shame really came with the fall so it would make sense that jesus would kind of think very little of it right like (laughs) that it just wouldn't make sense and 
um, as I was reflecting on that while you were talking, one of the things that came to my mind was um, my grandmother once wrote to me that her favorite book was Cory Ten Boom's The Hiding Place, which is the the memoir that she wrote about her time in the concentration camps, mm-hmm. right, in the Nazi concentration camps. And um, there's a scene in that book where she and her sister are being stripped and um, and paraded kind of past these soldiers. And her sister turns to her and says, Jesus was stripped like this for us too once. And her wow. response was just so moving to me. She said, and I never thanked him for it. Oh I just gosh. was like, wow, what a reaction to have to to such a terrible circumstance and mm-hmm. to think about um, just the the gratitude that she was able to bring into even that kind of a moment, yeah. you know. Um, I just found that very powerful. I got chills when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was also thinking of how like that heedless or despising the shame, yeah. you could kind of attach it to the part before we're talking about letting go of the sin that clings to us mm. because the act of repentance and um, like asking someone forgiveness or admitting that you were wrong or going to confession and and saying all the things you know that you've done it's very it feels shameful mm-hmm. but for the sake of the joy we can like apply it to ourselves too yeah. for the sake of the forgiveness we receive and for the reconciliation with others whatever we can be like we can just despise that shame and just like do it anyway. Yeah. That's what I have to do for confession every time. I hate going to confession. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Very few I people only, really enjoy it. A few I think. people do. Some people like, do. I mean, I and mean, God at least them. in the comment, you definitely meet some people who like seem to <laughs> think nothing of it. But I'm like, oh, I have to. But I do it because I, I believe I want forgiveness and mm-hmm. I believe it helps me and I it, it, and it helps me with humility because oh, just having yeah. to. Yeah, so I don't know. I was thinking that we could apply that also personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's such a beautiful kind of process there of interior conversion of like, because when you feel the kind of guilt that lets you know that you have done something wrong, that's a healthy kind of guilt. Mm-hmm. But then often we fall either into the camp of becoming so ashamed that we won't do anything or, or we hide or we let it eat us or we we kind of pretend that it's not there you know so to be able to face that head on and say no i i know that i've i've done something wrong or i've thought something wrong or i'm holding an attitude that's just not fair to anybody and to be like i'm facing this like i'm looking it in the eyes and i'm not going to let it cling to me i'm going to go seek confession Mm -hmm. because i know that like christ's merciful grace is awaiting me there and Mm -hmm. Like, I think so many of us can also ask, but I don't, do I deserve that grace? Do I not? No, 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 none of us deserve the grace. <laughs> right. That's why it's a gift. Yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah. if you think you deserve that grace, bring that to confession too. <laughs> and if you don't think you deserve the grace, you're right. And that's why it's a gift. And when we accept that gift, that is the joy that Christ is, ref- that's being referred to here, that Christ experiences. So it's not like you're like leeching off of Christ in no. any way, accepting that gift that you don't deserve. It literally is his greatest joy. And to say that one doesn't deserve it doesn't mean that like suddenly now I am the one who is so powerfully undeserving <laughs> that even God's love can't reach me. Right, no. like, like that puts me in a way, mm-hmm. in, in a position actually of more power than God's love, mm-hmm. which just is, 
ridiculous. Yeah, like you so. have a Captain America type shield that is yeah. somehow going to block God's exactly. Block. Yeah. But like. On the other hand, I mean, just the way that I even started off my story earlier, like it can be easy to fall into that space. Yeah. But we have to remember that it's actually not even a rational position to hold. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's it's for me, this is part of how I just kind of generally probably will always struggle with with God's love for the rest of my life. But it's just kind of a cool thing to be able to say. And yet you're way stronger than I am and you win. So, yes. mm-hmm. oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of the stories of people grappling with the reality, too, of God's love. I love the story of, um, like, Israel grappling mm-hmm. with the angel until God blessed him. That was, like, this beautiful example of someone seeking something from God that they they knew they hadn't earned, but they were going to hold on to it until they got it. But on the other hand, there's a story in the Old Testament of Naaman, who's a Syrian general, who has some kind of skin ailment. They, they call it leprosy. Um, and he seeks out this Israeli prophet for healing. And the prophet tells him, OK, you're coming to the God of Israel for healing. Go like dunk yourself in the river three times. And Naaman's like, what? <laughs> like, wave your hand over me. Like, aren't you magical or something? I'm not doing that. But like, sometimes it's so easy to say, like, there's no way that's real. Like, that's not yeah. how this works. No yeah. way. That's too, like, either it's too great or it's too ordinary or we can rationalize it away so easily. But it was actually his slave girl who convinced him, like, no, 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 <laughs> I, I know this God. This is the God of my ancestors as I'm here being your slave. Like... <laughs> You need to trust this prophet. Like, yeah, this is this is how God can work. And then another one of his slaves is the one who said, "Go in the river." Like, like yeah. you know, you would have done anything he told you to do. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, yeah. <laughs> and so, so like that simplicity and the fact of like yeah. just the chosenness. And there's also the passage in Deuteronomy. I think is it six or seven, where God says, "It's not because you're a great nation that I've chosen you." Right. <laughs> You're little. Yeah. You're really kind of nothing, but I've chosen you. Right. And you're mine and I love you. And that's all we need. Yeah. I relate more to the stories of like I don't I I don't know, at one point on retreat I tried to find more of these, but I could only find the one of Saint Peter when um Jesus in the boat makes the miraculous catch of fish. Mm. And he's just like, Leave me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Yeah. Like no, and like I couldn't find any other thing like that except, um, you know, I don't know, the evil spirits kind of react like, oh, you know, like, oh, but like Peter's example of that, and but uh, but that's not the right thing to say. Like mm-hmm. that's like not the right example. We don't say <laughs> we have the humility, but you don't want to say leave me, right? Like, yeah. But the great thing, mm-hmm. is, but you feel like it. That's yeah, what, yeah. and it's yeah. like such a good example of like this honest reaction we can mm-hmm. have, and. And I'm so glad that that happened and that they wrote about yes, it. Yes, yes. Because what was Christ's response? He didn't go anywhere. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. He didn't even really actually say much about it. Did yeah, he? he was like, "Yeah, you can you can think that in this moment <laughs> yeah. of panic, it's fine." <laughs> isn't that isn't that when he after that doesn't he say, "Um, oh, you'll be catching men." For, um, wait, is, yeah, but he doesn't, he doesn't like say, "No, I'm not leaving you." He's just yeah, like, no, no, uh, he ignores no, you're gonna follow said. me. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah. just like, "Yeah, moving on. We're not yeah, even yeah. gonna acknowledge that." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that joy, too, like I'm just thinking of the passage um, when Jesus gives the parable of the master coming home and saying to his servant, 
well done, good and faithful servant, come and enter your master's joy. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that like we are called to take up our cross and follow him and to follow this example of his despising the shame and entering into whatever it is that the cross, you know, presents in our lives, but just as much, if not more, no, in fact, more. He's inviting <laughs> us into his joy. And his joy is that we be where he is. Mm -hmm. So that's, I don't know, just so powerful and so moving to me. I think something that really moves me too is when you see this concept like lived out in people's lives, it's so humbling. I think people, especially Christians who live in areas where they're heavily persecuted, um, or like our modern day martyrs, we don't talk a lot about them. They're not on the news very often, but it happens all the time in, in a lot of places. And to see how they're not, they're not doing it for a cultural reason. They're not doing it because this is, well, this is my heritage. So I guess it's worth dying for. No, like that's, <laughs> they're putting their life on their line. And yeah. in a sense, the life of their children and the life of their wives and their friends and their mothers yeah. and their fathers. What for? So that they can all together enter into that joy and not not turn away from it, not turn their back from it or or tell other people it's not real by by pretending that it doesn't exist or, or turning to a different lifestyle. Like they're risking everything so that they can enter that joy. The people they love can enter that joy. And even the people who persecute them can hopefully one day realize that they did this for something real. Mm -hmm. And that's available to them too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always find that really moving. When, when people... When martyrs either from the past or the present kind of echo those words like, I forgive you for you know not what you do. Mm -hmm. Like that can seem when you see it over and over and over and over again, you're like, is this like, do people rehearse this? Like, <laughs> are, you, are you ready to like just waiting to say this? Like it's it seems so amazing that so many people truly because they did not rehearse that. I think this is the point. Like that is not rehearsed. That's like spontaneously bursting out in a moment that I feel like I would be panicking mm -hmm. and without words if I were in a situation like that. But like they really have been given this grace to focus on what is my life for? What is my suffering for? And what do I want to invite you into in the last words that I have breath to invite you into something? And how many of those deaths, the reason we know they said that is because their killers told us because they converted Right. Like, because for the sake of that joy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the grace of martyrdom. When yes. when you are in that position and you receive that grace, that must be what does it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's got to be. I mean, yeah. as opposed to like St. Francis going off trying to get himself martyred or something, yes. right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or as opposed to be like, in case it ever happens, this is what I plan to say. Yeah. yeah. yeah I got to practice now. <laughs> yeah. No, it's the grace. It's the gift of yeah. that moment. Yeah. So all of that said and all of that prayed with, and I hope you guys listening too, if you have a chance to pray with this, you may well have your own takeaways to add to what we're about to share. Um, but Sister Grace and Sister Benedicta, if we all had to have one takeaway from this pa passage to apply to our lives, um, yeah, what would it be for you guys? Mine would be that um, whatever we think or whether it's easy or hard for us to believe, we have the capacity to delight the heart of God and that it is a joy that is greater than the sorrow of the cross. Um, yeah, that uh, that he wants us to be where he is, 
that he longs for us to join him in heavenly glory and um, and that that can begin here and now. Mm. That's like three takeaways. <laughs> I think mine would be just kind of a reminder of when I'm readjusting my priorities, I'm really readjusting where I'm looking. Um, so do I have my eyes fixed on you know, like immediate effects that I'm experiencing from something? Or do I have my eyes fixed on Jesus? And if I'm going through a hard time, am I going to focus on all of the hard things around me and let myself get bogged down? Or am I going to look ahead to the person that I love and to the person who is my joy to really get through that? Um, So yeah, I think that's mine. I think um, I especially want to keep in mind that this... um, when I lose sight of the, when I lose sight of this joy that I have, that's the goal of my life, but um, I lose sight of it, it's because I don't have my eyes fixed on Jesus. So when things don't seem like they're making sense or when it's not, there isn't joy in what I'm doing, um, I want to remember to be, look, look, like, where am I looking? What am I mm-hmm. looking on? And if I have my eyes fixed on Jesus, then I can remember this for the um, because that's what he was doing, and I'm following him, um, who's the author and perfecter, um, or the pioneer. Yeah, I really, I think I really like author better personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but thank you so much for bringing this passage to my attention because yeah. it's not really something that I've actually. I don't remember ever spending much time with it, mm-hmm. except when it comes up in the liturgy. You it know? actually doesn't a whole lot. It's like um, it's an option for a couple, like a couple of different things, but like almost all of the time, we end up skipping it. <laughs> really? Because yeah. when you said that week of ordinary time, I thought you were going to say that it was in the liturgy that day. No, but it's not. It, it was the um, the office, office of readings, readings that yeah. day that that was so, that affected me. Yeah. So in ordinary time for daily mass, it doesn't come up. Um, Should, it probably comes up. In I think daily it comes mass. up like every other year. Mm, yeah, yeah, because we cycle through. Because this it's year, during, it's during one of those seasons where you end up with just a ton of like oh, feasts and memorials oh, yeah. and stuff that people end up using the covers for. So right now we're with ordinary time. Okay, now we're just geeking out liturgically, but that's okay. People if like we that. Weren't, Join us. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we weren't in year, right now we're in year two because it's twenty twenty two, even year mm-hmm. and odd years, year one we would be reading Hebrews. So I expect eventually it would get oh, to chapter true. 12, but I'm not sure. Like maybe yeah. it might be during that time when also we skip weeks if Lent starts right. earlier or whatever. Right. I sometime. think it's in one of those sections where we end up skipping uh, it a lot. Yeah. Too bad. I call for a liturgical reform <laughs> <laughs> to include this passage. Or we could just do Bible studies with it more. That works too. So there's this poem slash prayer that um, Edith Stein, who is, one of my all-time favorites, uh, wrote while she was in Carmel. And it's um, kind of a love poem to the Blessed Sacrament. And there are sentiments in it that I think uh, really go along with this topic really beautifully. So I thought maybe we could use that as our closing prayer. Yeah, sure. Okay. So the beginning speaks kind of just in third person, but then it switches partway and we can offer this uh you know, second person portion where it speaks directly to Jesus is our prayer. So she says, In the heart of Jesus, which was pierced, the kingdom of heaven and the land of earth are bound together. Here is for us the source of life. This heart is the heart of the triune divinity and the center of all human hearts 
that bestows on us the life of God. It draws us to itself with secret power. It conceals us in itself in the Father's bosom and floods us with the Holy Spirit. This heart, it beats for us in a small tabernacle where it remains mysteriously hidden in that still white host. That is your royal throne on earth, O Lord, which visibly you have erected for us, and you are pleased when I approach it. Full of love, you sink your gaze into mine and bend your ear to my quiet words and deeply fill my heart with peace. Yet your love is not satisfied with this exchange that could still lead to separation. Your heart requires more. You come to me as early morning's meal each daybreak. Your flesh and blood become food and drink for me, and something wonderful happens. Your body mysteriously permeates mine, and your soul unites with mine. I am no longer what once I was. You come and go, but the seed that you sowed for future glory remains behind, buried in this body of dust. A luster of heaven remains in the soul, a deep glow remains in the eyes, a soaring in the tone of voice. Jesus, Master, way, truth, and life, have, have mercy, mercy on us. Mary, Queen of Apostles, pray, pray for us. Saint Paul the Apostle, pray, pray for us. From all sin, deliver, deliver us, O Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And if anyone is interested in reading a little bit more about Sister Benedicta's story in Millennial Nuns, um, we can put a link to that in the show notes. Sure. And maybe, Sister, can we put, is this a publicly available poem? Um, it is a portion of one from a book from um, the Carmelite Institute. Oh, cool. So maybe we can... I'll see if I can, if it's on their website or something, I'll link to it. Yeah, yeah. that'd be great. Mm -hmm. All right. And guys, let us know if you have any prayer reflections on this passage as well. We would love to hear them. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is a fruit of the Daughters Project. This initiative of the Daughters of St. Paul to spread the gospel online is made possible by our generous Patreon supporters. Consider joining us in our mission by contributing to Patreon today. You can find us at thedaughtersproject.com and on social media at Daughter St. Paul. God bless you.